Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Let's go to our Pac-12 preview. And we have done Big Ten. We've done SEC a little bit. So now it's time to go. We'll, we'll stick with the uh, Out West theme here for this episode. Go out west to the Pac-12. Uh, look at some of the win totals. Oregon, um, I could start with Oregon if that's what we want to do. Um, their win total at most books that I have seen is about nine and a half. Um, and they're expected to have a pretty good season, which makes sense. Um, they're returning some pretty good talent. They're in the Pac-12 championship game last season. Uh, lost in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, but this is, I mean, you can get them at nine too, as I'm looking as their win total nine, nine and a half. But this is a team that nine you know, is definitely available. Nine is definitely available yeah. on Oregon, especially with that tough week two game that they have. Yeah, which again, I, I mean, I think at this point, I would, if you can get nine, go nine. I, I don't think you should go nine and a half because I think this is a team that could definitely lose the three games this season. Um, they're having a, a, a slight quarterback competition. I think it's going to be Anthony Brown. Um, who's coming back because or who's going to be starting. They're not having a ton of returning quarterback play. But other than that, and as Felder was saying, I mean, this is a team like many other college football teams. It's going to have a lot of returning talent from a lot of different positions. But you look at their schedule, you know, they start a good one at Fresno State and then they have to go on the road and play Ohio State. So most likely they're going to be one and one to start the season. Stony Brook, Arizona at home after that. So and then Stanford. So really, they could start the season four and one, five and one with Cal. UCLA on the road could be a toss up. Um, so if you give that a loss, they're at five and two. Colorado at home is six and two. Um, you have Washington, Washington State, Utah and Oregon State. So they can win the rest of those four games. In Colorado, I mean, you, you have those at 10. I could easily see them going over nine. Um, and I can, if they get nine, you push, you get your money back. Um, so I think nine is that very important number. If you can get that at nine, instead of nine and a half, I would go, I probably wouldn't hit nine and a half, but this is, this is an easily to see for this Oregon team to win 10 games. Yeah. And, and with college football win totals, that half game is, is a huge deal. Like that's the yeah. difference between not making a bet at all and, and having a strong position just because there are only 12 games and, we know what the schedules are before the season and the likely wins. And sometimes like Oregon has a likely loss against Ohio state in week two, where right now they are a 10 point underdog in Columbus in the uh, early kind of game of the year lines that were put out. So definitely make sure to be getting the best number, even if you have to pay a little bit of juice on a certain side when it comes to college football win totals. Yeah. For me, Oregon probably did deserve Pac-12 favorite they do have a lot of talent um i'm just not a huge fan of mario cristobal when it comes to game day a uh, good recruiter i think he's setting the culture in the, in the right direction i mean oregon used to be such like a running gun team with chip catley all speed and now they've transformed into a team that's tough in the trenches strong defense at least recruiting wise there's a lot of talent on that side of the ball but i think 
we saw like two years ago and it was different coordinators at the time, but they had Justin Herbert who ended up being the rookie of the year in the NFL and absolutely being incredible in his first season with the chargers. And it's almost like, like what were they doing with Justin Herbert? They were right. running the ball most of the time. I mean, with Justin Herbert and the rest of the players on that team, that should have been a team that, I mean, they won the PAC 12, but they, they lost a few games in the regular season and, a team that probably should have been in, in position to make the college football playoff in the last game of the season. So there's just some, some concerns with me when it comes to Mario Cristobal and maybe not getting the most out of some of his talent and not being aggressive enough because, I mean, Justin Herbert's going to go down as one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL this season that people are most excited to see and that two years ago they kind of wasted him, I feel like, in Oregon. Makes me a little bit worried about at least Cristobal in general. I know – they have a good offensive coordinator, uh, Joe Moorhead, who was the former Mississippi State coach. He did really well as the Penn State offensive coordinator um, a few years ago. So maybe him being back at Oregon after he was there last year, but kind of throw last year out the window because of the uh, truncated season. But maybe the uh, assistant coaches that they have now can kind of get the most out of the talent that Crystal Ball has brought in. Yeah, it's it's an interesting team, and I again, you get that nine, I think you're in pretty good shape. Uh, stay if it goes up, if you you know wait a couple weeks, it goes up to nine and a half. I would probably stay away, but I think nine is a pretty good number for this Oregon team. All right, let's go down south. USC win total eight and a half, and the odds to win the Pac-12 South, they're a slight favorite. I'm seeing plus 180. Let's call it that, but you probably can get a better number, and they might be a little bit kind of on the same level as Utah and Arizona State, but slight favorites win the Pac-12 South, 4-1 to win the conference. Got another season of Clay Helton, still there, still yes. there, even though uh, I know a lot of USC fans, alumni, and just always seems like he's on the hot seat and probably why some of the recruiting classes have struggled uh, in the last few years because they don't know if he's going to be the coach when they enroll on campus. But as Felder said, they did have a pretty good bounce back recruiting class. So maybe there's some momentum for USC. I think the key is quarterback Keaton Slovis back. Um, I think it's his junior year. He was their quarterback 2019-2020. So Slovis should uh, maybe elevate this team. I know there's a lot of excitement for him when he was a freshman, and he's going to be the key this year. Uh, the schedule for USC does, is pretty favorable, though, in the conference, at least. They always have that trip to Notre Dame, or Notre Dame comes to USC. Mm -hmm. uh, but this year, they're going to Notre Dame in late October. However, the Pac-12 schedule, pretty favorable because they avoid Oregon and Washington from the north, who are pretty, by yeah. far, the two best teams from the north. So schedule-wise, Pac-12, it's pretty strong. U Utah, which is a team I like, they get in the Coliseum and Utah hasn't had much success playing at USC in their history. So kind of that game will be more of a mental, all the pressure on Utah, a mental hurdle for them. So USC a lot to, you know, maybe be encouraged by this year. Uh, just maybe worried that some of the last few years of not recruiting as well as USC has in the past, maybe catches up to them and that they fall short of this win total. Yeah, they had a top 10 recruiting class, I believe, last season, and they kind of underperformed yeah. there. But again, I mean, you look at 
and you know, again, it's tough to say like these these teams have a lot of returners because most teams have a lot of returners, but right. they're returning <laughs> over like seventy percent on a lot of different positions, which is very important, and especially with a coach that is on the hot seat, he's going to have players that he knows and, and the players that know him, and that's important. And like you said, they get to the tougher team home plus them. They have a relatively favorable schedule other than that Notre Dame game on the road, but they avoid some of the tougher teams in in the Pac-12. So if this is any year for USC to make any bit of noise and Felder was high on them, I think this is the year just because of the schedule and because of the returning players that they have. And because this will probably be Keaton Slovis's last year, and yes. I'm sure that they've recruited someone else well um, or can bring in a transfer with just how the landscape of college football is, but having the continuity there and also offensive coordinator Graham Harrell, who is always highly regarded, uh, the former Texas Tech quarterback. I remember, I'm, I'm old enough to remember him fairly well in college when they had that special season at Texas Tech. Uh, so he's the offensive coordinator there. So um, that kind of partnership, I think, is going to have to carry USC this season. And Slovis will probably leave, and Graham Harrell will probably eventually go to a, a bigger job. And uh, I think Clay Helton's really relying on those two to buy him another year in L.A. Should we go up a bit north, the Pacific yeah, Northwest north. to Washington? Let's go back north. Let's go back north. <laughs> Going up to uh, going up to Washington, Jimmy Lake, yeah. second season with the Huskies. I mean, it's kind of like his first and a half season. He coached four games last year because of the COVID issues in Washington with the Huskies. And so this is his first full season. He gets a first full off season. He gets the spring ball. He gets fall training camp. He gets everything. They have a good start to the season with Montana. And then second game, they get thrown into the gauntlet. They have to go to Michigan, go to Ann Arbor, play on the road. And I know Felder talked about he was, you know, what what is Michigan this year? They don't even know who's going to be their quarterback. They did whole coaching changes. Um, Harbaugh is probably on the hottest seat he has ever been as their head coach. So you you really don't know what you're going to get from Michigan, but that is even playing on the road in front of 100,000 Michigan fans. That's a tough second game of the season for this Huskies team. Uh, but other than that, Nate, you look at the schedule and – for the most part, it's pretty favorable. They have really bad teams on the road, Arizona and Stanford. They play Oregon State on the road. And then some of the better teams in the Pac-12, they get at home. They have Oregon, Arizona State, UCLA, all of them are at home. And that is going to be hugely to their benefit. Um, and, you know, them state from season. But returning-wise, they have even more returners than what we were just talking about with USC. They get – Almost all their passing and rushing returning. Their offensive line is going to be really good. 100% of their offensive line is returning. Um, so they're going to be able to protect their quarterback. They're going to be able to have a good defense on the other side of the ball. And, I mean, you look at their win total, eight and a half, heavy juice on the over. But I think it's possible that they get this over, Nate. I think they can win nine games. If you chalk up that Michigan game as a loss, they should still start their season out four and one. Um, and that UCLA game at home can be a toss up. You can make that four and two. But you have Arizona and Stanford at six and two. You get seven maybe with Arizona State. And then you finish out with Colorado and Washington State, which are two very winnable games. And there's your nine right there. So... There's going to be a lot that has to happen right for Washington, but especially with the tough season that they had last year, 
second year head coach. They get a lot of returners. I, I like the over for this Washington team. Yeah. And my thing I'm going to add with Washington, cause it's a team that I'm just not really sure of cause they have a new, basically a new coach and Jimmy Lake and yeah. taking over for Chris Peterson, who I think elevated the program, uh, at least to expectation. They made a college football playoff and he recruited well. There's a lot of Washington players that you're seeing now in the NFL because of the player that what Peterson was able to do in recruiting. So maybe those there's still enough holdovers from his his time in Seattle that they could still put out a good a good roster. Uh, but they do avoid USC and Utah from the Pac-12 South, who are yep. projected to be two of the top three teams. And as you mentioned, the other two teams in the Pac-12 South that are very good, they get in Seattle. So uh, sets up very nicely for Washington. That was when I was doing my schedule analysis early in the summer. I thought that Washington had a very favorable path, and I believe they are. Uh, it's about a pick'em against Michigan Week Two in the in the look ahead line. I know I saw some places had Michigan uh, as a favorite by one, and then some places even had Washington as a favorite. So wonder how kind of the Week One results go for both teams, and see where that line moves. Um, can kind of see myself betting on whoever the underdog is because they probably are pretty evenly matched teams with Washington being better, but Michigan getting that home field advantage. All right. Is there any other teams we want to hit on pack 12 yeah. some quick hits? So, yeah, I, I know we, I can got confirmation with Felder, but a bet I like Utah over eight and a half wins. Um, could yeah. even go Pac-12 South to win the division, plus 230, plus 500 to win the Pac-12. All things I might add, but eight and a half over minus 120 is in on Utah. Uh, Charlie Brewer, the transfer quarterback who Felder said was very talked pretty highly about, saying that um, you know surprising he left Baylor. He was surprised at least he left Baylor, but there was a head coaching turnover with Dave Aranda after. Matt Rule left a year ago, so uh, pretty impressive though that he picked Utah out of all teams. He probably had uh, could have picked a lot of different schools, and he mentioned how Utah's is a tough team to play against, and they're not going to make mistakes. They're going to be strong on the line of scrimmage, and I'll add to that they have a very strong home field advantage because they play in elevation and it gets very loud at Rice Eccles Stadium. Uh, the schedule sets up well. I think I mentioned that with Felder that they just avoid Washington from the Pac-12 North. And then mm-hmm. they do play Oregon, but it's the second to last regular season game. So it should be a, could be a cold. I know Oregon's used to the cold, but it could be a cold, raucous atmosphere, maybe a little snow mixed in in Salt Lake. So if Utah is what we think they will be, they could enter that game maybe at uh, nine and one or something and have a really good shot. I mean, they would go over, over the win total before then. So I just like the schedule for Utah, like the transfer quarterback. And, and the Kyle Whittingham te- teams are always uh, kind of better than what their recruiting stars uh, indicate. So I like Utah a lot this year. Uh, bet them, as I said, over their win total. And probably before the season, we'll fire off some stuff to win the division and to win the conference. UCLA, Chip Kelly squad. Yeah. Um, getting a lot of returners. Him. Big year for yeah. him. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's hot-seated, and that's Chip Kelly. And, you know, they get a ton of returners, and and they get um, their quarterback back, I believe. Dorian Thompson-Robinson is returning. 
Um, the linemen are going to be pretty strong for UCLA this season. And they have a tough schedule. If you, if you just look at the teams on the schedule, it's relatively tough. LSU, they have Oregon. But you look at where they play those teams, a lot of them at home. They get LSU in Pasadena. They get Oregon in Pasadena. Uh, they get a team like Colorado, which can be a tough team on the road. You have to go to Colorado. could be one of those trap games. They get them in Pasadena. So they have a lot of the tougher teams at home. Um, they have to go to USC, which, you know, that's both, that's L.A., but they play USC, which is always tough. That LSU game, even though it is in Pasadena, that'll be tough. Um, so their win total, I believe, the places I were looking at, Nate, I don't know if you saw it any different. I see them at seven at most places. The over is slightly favored, minus 115, and the over seven. Um, but again, I, I think this is a team that I can see getting the over. Um, getting the over seven or at the very least getting seven wins. So I think you're okay without having that hook there. If if you can bet them at seven, but you know, they have a very cushy middle of the season schedule, Stanford, Arizona state at home, Arizona, Washington um, at Washington could be a tough game for them for sure. But they have those, you know, four cushy games with Fresno state as well. So, I mean, I, I think this is a seven win season is easily doable for UCLA and even saying, you know, they're going to win eight, maybe even nine games, I don't think is out of the question. Yeah, I'm really excited for that game against LSU, not just to see what UCLA is, but also to see what LSU looks like after they had a pretty disastrous 2020 fresh off winning a national title. So I know everyone's going to talk about Georgia Clemson week one, maybe Alabama, Miami, but that game in Pasadena, I, I would going to probably want to watch live just or at least on replay the next day just to kind of see what those teams are about because that seems like he'll be a good measuring stick for both teams especially because if you look at the week zero schedule which is august 28th uh there's just a few games and ucla is included on it they host hawaii favored by 17 so maybe a good maybe a good spot to bet on ucla with a game under their belt against an lsu team that has a lot of unpredictability as they will be going, taking a pretty far trip out west, especially for LSU standards. All right. Did you want to hit on golf now? Or is there any yeah, other Yeah, before I go team? to golf, yeah. So Arizona State is up there in the Pac-12 South, but they have some recruiting violations that are under investigation. So <laughs> a lot of questions with Herm Edwards' team at Arizona State. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like a team I'd want to wait and see on. Like they have the talent there. And I know last year was a rough season for them just in general. And, you know, I think with every Pac-12 team, it was probably a rough season and they didn't really, you know, meet any expectations. But, I mean, they played, uh, I think they played three games last year and they were one and two. So I can't really read too much into Arizona State, but we'll see what happens this year. And then a team I just wanted to especially shout out, Stanford, who – I mean, if you followed college football the last 10 years, you're thinking, oh, Stanford, what their win total going to be? Seven and a half, eight, maybe eight and a half? No, their win total this year is four. And it's actually been bet up. It opened three and a half, and now it's four. And it, I think it's all really schedule um, indicative or schedule based uh, because they, they're a team that always schedules pretty tough non conference. They don't play any group of five teams. They start the season in Arlington, a, uh, 11 a.m. local kickoff, so 9 a.m. for Stanford against Kansas State, which usually that Arlington game is like kind of one of the bigger games of the weekend. But I'm not sure if maybe that was scheduled a long time ago when we thought these programs would be 
better than what they're expected to be this season. But they get USC in week two uh, in L.A. And then even though they're the worst team in the SEC, they still have to go to Vanderbilt and and play um, go to Nashville to play Vanderbilt in week three. And then they close the season with Notre Dame. So they have 12 games against all teams in the Power Five plus Notre Dame. Uh, and then if you look at their division, the cross-division schedule of Stanford, they have to play USC, they have to play Arizona State, they have to play Utah and UCLA. So the teams in the Pac-12 South are projected to be the worst this year, Colorado and Arizona, and I think no one would disagree with that based on win totals and just talent on the roster and the coaching situations. Uh, those are the four. They're not playing the two easiest teams from the Pac-12 South. So this is a kind of disastrous schedule, but maybe – there's a chance to buy low on Stanford who just need to win four games for you to push. And probably why there was money right away on Stanford over three and a half, because even though the schedule is hard, there's still a team that uh, under David Shaw have been pretty consistent and have had some pretty high ceiling years, but the floor is usually never that low. So maybe this is the, the lowest you can get Stanford. It's not for me, especially since it moved a half game, which is very valuable in college football. But just wanted to bring up why Stanford might struggle this year, um, not just because they're not as good as they used to be, but that schedule is pretty brutal.